Wherever cancer is, Hancock Health will fight. In any part of you and in all corners of East Central Indiana. From Indianapolis to Greenfield to Knightstown to Rushville. From hospital rooms to family rooms, we fight. With technology and medicine. With care backed by the wisdom of Mayo Clinic. For you, for your family, and for your future in Rush County. We fight cancer here. HancockHealth.org slash cancer. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock it! Yeah, the search for that dude Kevin Mason continues Hammer, previously being held at the Adult Detention Center downtown on three warrants from Minnesota, one being a homicide when, because of a clerical error, he was able to walk out of jail scot-free. They're still looking for this guy, and um, I can tell this story has resonated to you on a number of levels, especially I, I can tell the, the, you know, the level of animus towards um, the leadership uh, at the, the, the Marion County Sheriff's Office is, is rising. I can could, could see your blood boiling right now when we talk about this stuff. Incompetence, Nige, that's what it is. Look, everybody makes a mistake. I get that. Some mistakes are bigger than others. Nobody's perfect. I'm well aware of this. But this is one month after the failure of leadership that allowed a deputy to be murdered, where one single deputy was with a very dangerous person, taking him to and from a medical examination, a murderer, and that deputy lost his life. So one month later, here we are, the same leadership at the sheriff's office that said, we're going to make a lot of changes, a lot of changes. Get ready. We're going to change so much. Changey McChangerton over here. One month later, they let a murderer out on the streets. So, look, I'm tired of the excuses. It's the staffing. It's the clerical error. In sports, when a team struggles... You don't fire the entire team. You fire the coach. You need new leadership and a new direction. I don't know what's going to happen to Sheriff Kerry Forrestal over at the Marion County Sheriff's Office. Probably nothing, because that's what happens here in Marion County. But this dude needs to be held accountable. This is all happening under his watch. And you weren't joking. Towards the end of the show yesterday, you had mentioned something about, okay, this story is starting to get some national attention. And I was like, eh, all right. Yeah, maybe I'll see something about it, like on the you know Fox Digital or something. No, it's all over NBC News. It's all over Fox News, cable. It's, it's everywhere. Yeah. It's kind of embarrassing. Republican outlets, Democrat outlets, all coming together to laugh at the justice system in Marion County. Now, there's a press conference coming up. Up, uh, in about 30 minutes at the Marion County Sheriff's Office. We'll see what they have. I haven't had anything leaked to me yet. We'll see what they have. Now, keep in mind, yesterday they did take into custody 29-year-old Desiree Oliver. Uh, she was basically somebody that knew this person that's on the run and maybe housed him or helped him in some way. Aiding and abetting. Right. But the search for Kevin Mason as of right now continues, but we'll see what type of information comes from this presser at 3.30. Didn't she go to a store and like buy him undies? I wonder if it was tidy whities or boxers. Yeah, but yeah, she. I'm glad she has at least taken into custody for helping this guy out. Uh, the only thing I, I have... The only question about uh, that I have the, the arrest of Desiree Oliver is is was she was she threatened in any way? 
in terms of trying to help this guy. Hey, if you don't do this for me, I'm coming after you, your family. I don't know. That's probably not the case. She was probably trying to assist that guy. But if she was doing that under duress or threat, that's something different. I'm not saying that's what happened, and I completely, I'm sure I'm completely wrong about that. That just that kind of just popped into my mind, though. And keep this in mind. This guy, Kevin Mason, was let out last week. A murderer in your streets. And you were just informed of this this week. Now, the excuse... The public. Yeah, the public. The excuse given by the folks running the show over there was, well, this was strategic. Mm. Well, if you buy that, I've got some oceanfront property in Beach Grove, Indiana that you can buy. Oh, really? There's no way... No way that was strategic. Yeah, we wanted the public to mix up with a uh, murderer because we wanted to know exactly where he was. That's the excuse that you're giving us? Okay. Nobody's buying it, but God bless you for trying. So we have a press conference coming up in uh, about 20 minutes or so from right now. We will keep our ears open, and hopefully they've got good news that they've caught this rotten bastard. But... We shall see. Meanwhile, keeping it here in Marion County, Sheriff Forrestal's buddy, his Euchre partner, his Thanksgiving football-watching friend, Ryan Mears, continues to be just an unmitigated disaster. So we're finding out now that that woman that stabbed the baby at the hotel the other night, you've heard that story, right? He's in, yeah. This woman that stabbed the baby has been arrested nearly 20 times. 20, including... You gotta be kidding. Stabbing someone with a box cutter back in 2020. But lo and behold, they were offered a sweetheart plea deal by one Ryan Mears, and this horrible lunatic was allowed to go back out on the streets and ultimately stabbed a baby now. 20 different arrests, and she got a sweetheart plea deal from the prosecutor in Marion Somebody County. Somebody that should have never been out of jail in the first place. 100%. Welcome, welcome to Indianapolis, everybody. And you look at some of the greatest hits of this woman. Uh, her rap sheet, stabbing, battery, resisting arrest, and this one's my favorite, using a bodily fluid against an officer. Over 20 different times, this woman has been arrested, and yet sweetheart plea deal after a stabbing, and this was the same woman that stabbed the baby. By the way, the child, just so you know, as of Wednesday, the last I've been reading here, was in serious condition, but uh, considered stable. This is according to uh, our news gathering partners, Wish TV. Um, she... <laughs> Whoever this person is, this lunatic, is a relative of the injured child. I, I, and the police report doesn't say what led to the stabbing or provided a possible motive. A chicken I, yeah. sandwich did. That's the story. The a chicken sandwich went missing from this woman at the hotel. She thought the dog did it, and her alibi was she tried to stab the dog, but something happened and stabbed the baby instead. Okay. All right. Got it. Sure. So that sounds like a That's, perfectly sane person yeah. that needs to be out on the streets after 20 arrests and a previous stabbing. This is the justice system wow. in Marion County. But the problem is, Nige, I think guys like you and I and the folks that have common sense listening to our program right now, 
we are the minority in this city because 60% of the vote yeah. said Ryan Mears is doing a bang up job. 60% of the vote. That's also the ratio of Democrats to Republicans in Marion County. And Kerry Forstall, as incompetent as it appears this guy is, he won his election last time around. Ryan Mears won his election last time around. And it looks like Boss Hogsett is going to be rewarded with a third term in this city, despite record numbers of homicides under his watch. The drug and violence problem in the city getting worse. Businesses and people leaving Marion County in droves. But 60% say, hot damn, sign me up for more. So, again, we hate being Debbie Downers to start a show like this, but you guys have to know what's going on here in the capital city. So, all that being said, Nige, how about some happy news? You want some happy news? Please, Today is September 21st, also known as Earth, Wind, and Fire Day. Uh, Do you remember (laughs) when it was so crank up a little EWF tonight, 21st night of September. Now, this isn't your wheelhouse now. Okay, hit me. Let's, 33 years ago today, in 1990, ACDC released uh, their yeah. 12th album, The Razor's, Razor's Edge, Edge, which featured the hits Money Talks and Thunderstruck. Thunderstruck. Love it. Where does Thunderstruck rate on your ACDC Oh, don't do that scale? to me. Don't do that to me. Is uh, it above Highway to Hell back no, in black? No, but it's could damn well be top five. I oh, like Thunderstruck a great deal, you're though. You're going to have to get back to me on that one. Oh, man. I wish I didn't know you were going to do that to me. Oh, as a hardcore ACDC fan, it's got to be in the top ten. Could creep in at least the top five. So hit us up on social media, damn. at Hammer and Nigel. Your thoughts on the greatest ACDC song of all time. If we're doing a Family Feud-style survey, right, and we said, all right, top answer on the board. We surveyed 100 people. Name an ACDC song. What do you think would be the number one answer? I think it might be Thunderstruck. Ooh, Back I, in I Black is there. One. Highway to Hell is right there. But if you're doing Family Feud style survey, what do you think is the number one answer? Now, in honor of Thunderstruck, here are some tributes, Nige. Okay. This is when a dad recorded his newborn for an entire year and recorded the baby noises to remix with Thunderstruck. (laughs) And to celebrate this great day on the American calendar, 33 years ago today, Razor's Edge dropped featuring Thunderstruck. Here's a bunch of hillbillies with a banjo, spoon, an accordion, and a triangle doing (laughs) Thunderstruck. It's actually very talented. That's some banjo in right there. (laughs) You say a triangle is in the uh, mix there? Oh, just wait for it. Wait for it. There it is! <laughs> you won!
want a triangle? That was a triangle. You got a triangle, baby. <laughs> oh, wow. You people disgust me. Hammer and Nigel. Hello, I'm Nigel. Jason Hammer over there. This um, this recall, this craft recall, affects me. I could probably go to the store right now and get a refund. You know, craft, they make those, those uh, they're my favorite. The single American craft cheeses, like like those packets of the singles that you, I mean, you'd use at a cookout or something oh, yeah. like that. Yeah, if you're cooking the, out, yeah. you know, hamburgers on the grill, you just the, put those bad boys the, on there if you want cheese. But they're all individually wrapped. And I, I know there's people out there that are going to say I'm crazy, but it's it's the best cheese. I love that cheese. <laughs> I love. I'll just pop one in my mouth every now and then again just for a quick snack. But Kraft is recalling 83,000 cases of these things because of a quote unpleasant, um, um, an unpleasantness that might make you gag, and that unpleasantness could pose a choking hazard. They had a temporary issue with one of its wrapping machines, Kraft did. This has happened to me over the past two weeks. A thin strip of the individual film may remain on the slice after the wrapper has been removed. So usually, you know, with those Kraft singles, you just remove it all in one swipe. You peel it, kind of peel it back, and you take it off at one swipe. But because there's something wrong with the wrapping machine, a, a thin strip is left on the, the the craft single cheese and I had this happen to me a couple of times at a gr- at a cookout I had with my buddies over for the Colts home opener and my buddy bit into a hamburger oh <laughs> and he, I had put cheese on it but I didn't know the film was left there was a strip right. on it and he had to pull this it, ru- it totally ruined his appetite I felt so bad Nigel <laughs> did you make these burgers why is there plastic <laughs> in it and he's right so I went so I I didn't really notice it until. I went and checked uh, a couple of days ago, and you, when I heard about the recall, yeah, you open the singles, and it's not all in one motion. You, if you're not careful, there's a big, there's a big chunk of plastic still left on this thing. And your buddy experienced that firsthand, firsthand. Um, so I mean, nobody's like died of it or anything, but somebody's complained of choking, and somebody's. Compli- I mean, I was just gross, actually melted plastic in your mouth. I wonder like if your friends come over to your house, do they look at you cooking like Clark looked at Cousin Eddie? Well, it's real tomato ketchup, (laughs) Nige? It's very... (laughs) No, it's very uh, meat and potatoes, shall I say. In fact, what I did was uh, I had burgers, some uh, better cheddar sausage, and uh, a giant... It doesn't get any better than the Kraft macaroni and cheese in the blue box. Very simple. Now, hold on. Yeah, no, 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 no. Number one of all Homemade time. mac and cheese will beat no. the brakes off of Kraft every single day and twice it, on Sunday. It de- Stop it. It depends on whose home you're at and who's making it when you say homemade. Well, that's true. You get true. consistency with Kraft mac and cheese in the blue box. Uh, half, uh, ha- uh, half a stick of butter, a uh, quarter cup of milk. You broil the uh, you, you boil the noodles for seven and a half minutes. Put it in a strainer and then put the cheese powder all in it all together. Screw Velveeta, screw Bob Evans. Kraft mac and cheese in the blue box is a classic, and I make a killer killer version of that. So on Thanksgiving at Casa de Laskowski, if there's mac and cheese, it's Kraft. 
No. Fortunately, I have relatives that make the really good that make some good macaroni and cheese. Okay, you just said fortunately, so you proved my point. That no, no, no. I'm not saying I can't cook homemade craft mac and cheese every day. Like, like I love the like the crumbly like breaded stuff they put on top of the homemade mac and cheese. I'm saying when when it's just I mean this is my go-to. There right. are some different homemade mac and cheese that are fine. I've had others that suck, but consistency with craft mac and cheese. Okay, so if there's a competent chef in the room or somebody that is okay. well versed at making yeah, food, sure. and you have your choice, their homemade mac and cheese mm. or craft yeah. macaroni and cheese that you buy at the store, <laughs> which are you going to go to? It shouldn't take this long to think about this. I think I'm going. Yeah, I, if it's if it's good, I'm going with the homemade. But if it's not, I, if I I know what I'm getting with the craft. Okay. Okay. All right. Fine. Just call me a squish. Call me wish wishy washy here. But uh, my son, I tell you what, my son would prefer my craft uh, mac and cheese over anything else. Right, but they don't know any better. They're kids. <laughs> they probably like to have chicken McNuggets for Thanksgiving. I love to have chicken McNuggets for Thanksgiving. <laughs> what are you talking about? It's the Hammer and Nigel show. <laughs> This is a serious question. Did Donald Trump autograph a hot chick's boob? (laughs) You could go see for yourself at Hammer and Nigel on Twitter or uh, Facebook. He walked into this, this, what was this? This was a pub in Iowa. He's there uh, campaigning. And the place went nuts, of course. And I'm sitting here looking at the picture. Now, that, that teaser right there, Hammer, a, a, a bit misleading. I don't know. He didn't actually make contact with skin. He's signing this chick's tank top right above the boob. Right. So he's not actually signing her skin. But, but he's I'm, signing the tank top, the low-cut tank top, yes, yes. right above the can. Yes. Right <laughs> above the left can <laughs> is where Donald Trump is autographing yes. his name for this young lovely. And again, the picture is up for yourself. <laughs> See it for yourself on our Facebook, Hammer and Nigel, on Twitter, <laughs> at Hammer and Nigel. Just scroll down a little bit. This pervy old guy is sitting right next to her, and he's just staring straight down at it. It is <laughs> <laughs> so funny. And of course, Trump walks in the place, right? And he's a celebrity. Oh, man. This was the uh, reaction when the former president walked in. Uh, I think it's awesome. I think it endears himself. To you know, face to face with people, I think it's a good idea. He does these things, and I think do think you know everybody in there is happy they were all going to get free pizza. Right, there's that too. <laughs> so it seems like he's been doing these type of things more often, as opposed to having the big over the top yeah. rallies, you know, at the local coliseum or the local stadium. I mean, he's still going to do those things. I get it, but it feels like this is almost. A better way to reach out to the people that you're asking for their vote. I said the same thing with DeSantis, if you'll recall, in in June or July. DeSantis is able, or at least was able, to attract big crowds. But you don't get to know a voter like that. 
Um, they want personal contact. They want per- voters want personal attention with these presidential candidates. And what I said back then was, yeah, you know, Trump can do the big events. People already know him. DeSantis needs to do the same thing that Trump is doing right now. But I do think it endears himself to the to the American voter when he does, you know, what he do the other day after he was indicted, went to the the Cuban coffee shop in Miami, right? After one of the many indictments, whenever whichever one that was, and people loved him. People, I know. Yeah, I think it's a great idea. I think it's a good thing. And if anybody is listening, going, I can't believe how gross Donald Trump is. How dare he force himself on this woman? Look at the picture here. Oh, I believe this woman's just fine having Donald Trump sign her shirt. She's so happy. <laughs> she's so hot. So hot. Sign the chits move. So let's just say that was a woman that looked like Joy Behar. <laughs> Do you think Donald Trump signs the left can? Uh, well, yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe. You got a piece of paper, honey. I'm not going to sign that. If there's a woman that looks like Woody Harrelson's landlord <laughs> in Kingpin, I don't know if Donald Trump's signing that autograph. Just putting it out a there. Separate debate we can have for sure. Speaking of the debate, about six days away here from GOP primary debate number two. This one, I believe, is at the Reagan Library. Donald Trump will not be a part of this debate either. Instead, he's choosing to go speak to the auto workers in Michigan. Now, earlier today, Rob Kendall and I had a little back and forth about this. And when he comes in to go off the rails a little bit later on, maybe we can talk about it. I think this is a brilliant move. I mean, the timing of this strike, the UAW auto workers here, could not have been better for Donald Trump because he knows those are folks that are predominantly blue in the unions. He can go in there, try to be the white knight and say, look, if you're tired of getting screwed over by the same people you vote for all the time, take a chance on this guy, the guy that wrote The Art of the Deal. Yeah, I, I think uh, I'd agree with you. And I heard Rob uh, Rob completely disagrees. He thinks he should do the debate and answer questions. But I, I, I don't think he deserves to be, you know, he, some of those people on that stage are just so beneath him in terms of popularity and and recognition. And we already know, like I like I said, everybody all already knows who Donald Trump is and what he's about. Right. Uh, I mean, I think I that that meet the press interview that he did uh, over the weekend, I think was a disaster. He's got to stop doing that crap and just keep doing what he's doing now. Right. In, in, in Iowa. And I, you know, maybe when it gets down to the final three or something like that before uh, the primary, maybe. But uh, yeah, just just tell me what you're going to do right that Biden's doing wrong. Tell me what what's you know the next four years look like of a presidency, which then you'll be termed out. Right. I, 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 yeah, that's the other thing I like about Donald Trump is that he he's you know no holds barred this next four years. You got four years to get it right. Yeah. And look, he's going to debate. Once it becomes official with whoever the Democrat nominee is, if it's Joe Biden, it'll be Joe Biden. If they bounce him out and replace him with Gavin Newsom or Michelle Obama, whoever the case may be, there will be debate. So it's not like you're not going to see him debate. 
I'm all about winning in November of 2024. And these primary debates, all they can do is damage Donald Trump, even if it's by one or two percentage points in a swing state. That could be the difference between winning and losing. Here's the thing. If Biden's the nominee, I'm not convinced he'll debate Trump. That's one aspect, one angle that people have to think about here. And not because he doesn't want to. He just slept through it. (laughs) Eh, It starts too late. (laughs) Can we have the debate at 1130 in the morning, Eastern? You know, supper time. Matlock starts at one. (laughs) Um, All right. So let's talk about the 2024 election. Somebody thinks the same way that I do. Really? Ladies and gentlemen. Ted Cruz. If it's just the kingmaker saying, nope, we pick you, whoever doesn't get picked, everyone else is pissed. So here's the scenario that I think is perhaps most likely and most dangerous. In August of 2024, the Democrat kingmakers jettison Joe Biden and parachute in Michelle Obama. So, Michelle Obama, number one, you don't infuriate African-American women, which is a critical part of the constituency that Democrats are relying on to win. But number two, you avoid the problem. If you pick from any of the four, the other three are pissed because they're all, to some extent, peers, they're rivals, they're all jabbing knives at each other. Michelle Obama, because she was first lady, has the ability to kind of parachute in above all four and say, hey, we're not picking among any of you. You guys can all fight it out next time. You're all going to be on the same level. We're coming. This is the Obamas saving the day. That basketball rig. Now, wow, that I mean, I'm not the kind of guy that said I told you so. Here it comes. I freaking told you so. <laughs> You've been putting on that tinfoil hat for months with Michelle Obama. The minute they moved the DNC convention from Atlanta to Chicago, that put the light bulb right above my head. Now, Ted Cruz goes on to say that he doesn't know if Michelle even wants to, but it's lined up for her. In terms of a solution that unifies Democrats, there ain't nothing like that. I also think Michelle is not all that eager to run for president, but to parachute in in August of 24, a couple of months before the presidency, and suddenly wake up and be president, it's not a bad gig at all. Now, would she do it? I don't know. I've I've met Michelle, but I don't know her personally in any meaningful way. I don't know if she would do it. I do think Barack Obama is already running the Biden administration. I think he is already the puppet master behind this Biden White House. I don't think Joe Biden is the decision maker. And so when I see the media turning on Joe Biden right now, I think the odds of Michelle Obama parachuting in in August of 2024 have risen dramatically. Well, I I don't think it's Obama pulling the strings. I think it's AOC and the squad and the ultra-leftist progressive agenda. When you talk about Obama and his terms, I mean, he was, and when we mentioned the border, just just as a side note here, I mean, Obama was deporting more people than Trump and and putting kids in cages before kittens, kids in cages was a term. Um whether or not Michelle Obama wants to do it, I don't know. But do you th- was he was Ted Cruz saying that Michelle Obama would unite the Democrats here? Yes, because I feel like the Democrats are somewhat united behind Biden, but just kind of tepid. Like nobody's outright saying he's 
too old to run. It's all. Oh, they are behind the scenes, yeah, but they're the telling scenes. TV cameras. Yes. Oh, he's just yes. fine. He's vibrant. Yeah. It's a master class on what he's done in the last two and a half years. And behind the scenes. Oh, so I think it's very. Good God, yeah. this guy is killing us. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, Michelle Obama, would. so is he saying she? that would be a unification moment? Right. Because. Universally accepted for the Democrats. Because Gavin Newsom would want it, and then you would have Gretchen Whitmer would want it, the governor of Pennsylvania Kamala. would want it. Kamala would want it. The one person that could come in and almost be like Larry Bird at that three-point shootout and just say, who's playing for second, is Michelle Obama. So that's interesting that Ted Cruz, if I've got the tinfoil hat on, then Ted Cruz has got the same (laughs) damn hat. It's the Hammer and Nigel show. And it's time for Adam Schiff or Adam Sandler. Stop looking at me, swan. And now, time to pay. I think there's plenty of evidence of collusion or conspiracy in plain sight. For Adam Sandler! Because this guy is better. I leave the hair silky and smooth. Adam Schiffer, Adam Sandler on the Hammer and Nigel Show. Caller number nine was Scott. Scott, welcome to the Hammer and Nigel Show. How are you? Scott, it is a new. Scotty, are you a uh, Sandler fan? You like the Sandman? Yeah, I do. Good, good. All right. This is how the game works. I'm going to read you a statement. It will either be a statement about California Congressman Adam Schiff or Adam Sandler. Get three out of five. I'm going to give you the tickets, okay? Yep, sounds good. Number one, who said this? Quote, Mama says that alligators are ornery because they got all them teeth and no toothbrush. (laughs) Adam Schiff or Adam Sandler? Yes, that is correct. One down, two to go. All right. This person once fell for a stunt where wacky Russian radio DJs convinced him that they had naked photographs of Donald Trump. Adam Schiff or Adam Sandler? That's got to be Adam Schiff. That is Adam Schiff. You're right. Last one here. Who said this? Stop looking at me, swan. (laughs) Adam Schiff or Adam Sandler? Uh, Adam Sandler. Hey! Hey. My man Scott, you got the tickets. Wednesday, November 15th, Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Scott, stay on the line, and Allison will take care of you. We'll have more tickets to give away sometime in the 3 o'clock hour tomorrow. Do we have audio of the shift prank? Yeah, so these Russian Russian wacky morning show DJs called Adam Schiff's office <laughs> and said they had nude photos of Donald Trump. This was the report on Fox News about it. On the call, two Russian shock jocks known as Vovin and Lexus are posing as the former Speaker of the Ukraine Parliament, telling Democratic Congressman Adam Schiff they have nude pictures of President Trump from when Trump came to Russia in 2013 for the Miss Universe pageant. Congressman Schiff appeared to bite. So you, you have recordings of both Sovchek and Buseva, uh where they're discussing the compromising material on uh, Mr. Trump? Absolutely. Um, well, obviously, we would uh, welcome a chance to get copies of those recordings. <laughs> wow. What a weasel. What a weirdo. Oh, naked photos of Donald Trump. Oh, this is going to be great. Boy, I, I, you know, we already knew the Russian collusion PP Steele dossier was fake. Now I got something real? <laughs> oh, this is great. So one more chance for you to win Sandler tickets tomorrow, sometime in the 3 o'clock hour on the Hammer and Nigel show. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock it. 
name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there. The U.S. Marshal's Office offering a $10,000 reward for details or information leading to the arrest of that guy that kind of sauntered out of the Marion County Sheriff's Office, the murder suspect, uh, due to a clerical error. This happened, I believe, September 13th was able to just get out and go. Yeah, this is, is uh, being held at the adult detention center um, on three warrants from Minnesota, one being homicide, again, very embarrassing, and uh, it's gaining national attention that this guy was able, again, because of a clerical error, error to, to just stroll on out of the Marion County Sheriff's Office. So now a $10,000 reward. So Kevin Mason, this is the guy's name. If anybody has information leading to his re-arrest, you could get $10,000. Now remember what Kerry Forstall's office and the sheriff's office told all of us. Yeah, he got out a week ago, but we didn't tell you until this week because it was all part of our plan. It was all part of our strategy. Well, apparently, having a $10,000 reward out tells me you've got nothing, you've got bupkis, or <laughs> we were just lied to. This is so embarrassing for the Marion County Sheriff's Office. The leadership is so bad here. This is one month removed where one of your deputies was murdered because you did not have anybody else there to assist with taking a violent murderer to a medical appointment. It's tragic. And and you're not talking about the you know the rank and file the guys that are knocking down doors and no. you know uh, I'm talking about Kerry Forrestal. Yeah. I'm going to name his name because he's incompetent. What we've seen the last month and a half is incompetence at the Marion County Sheriff's Office. Nige, big stories going on nationally. The border, people are pouring into the border. You would think that our elected officials would be doing everything they can to address what some would call an invasion down at Eagles Pass in Texas. But instead, you turn on the news, all of our major players are in Washington playing grab-ass with Zelensky today. <laughs> uh, not only are they playing grab-ass, I mean, there were federal officials that, are, uh, that were cutting down barbed wire down there in that area that was supposed to help with the crossing or uh, to prevent the illegal crossing. At the border. At the border, yeah. And the federal officials just go in there and and are cutting it down. And they're trying to get rid of those buoys across the Rio Grande that have been effective at keep them, keeping people not only safe, people that are wanting to swim across the Rio Grande to get into, the, the tex- to get into Texas, but the, the Biden administration is suing Texas to have that removed. They're so you would think can. that the highest ranking Republican center, Senator Mitch McConnell would be all about trying to help what's happening in Texas. Texas is a red state. You would think Mitch McConnell would be all about this. It should be DEFCON 1 in Cocaine Mitch's office. Let me read you the tweet that he put out. Okay. Quote, I was proud to welcome President Zelensky to the Capitol this morning <laughs> and hear firsthand about the status of Ukraine's counteroffensive. American support for Ukraine is not charity. It's in our own direct interests, not least because degrading Russia helps to deter China. No, it helps Russia, you know, fly into the hands of China. It helps Russia and China. It pulls them together. And it does nothing you know, for the border at all. <laughs> the southern border of the United States? No. 
I mean, it makes it it, it it brings Russia and China together to become allies against the United States. That's what it does. So Biden and Zelensky having oh, a meeting hey, today. There's a picture of uh, Kevin McCarthy and Akeem Jeffries standing there proudly with a picture uh, of Zelensky. Now, I'm looking at right now, McCarthy might be trying to play both sides here because he rejected Zelensky's request to deliver a joint address to Congress. So McCarthy at least said no to that. But it looks like Biden is getting ready to get that old checkbook out right now and sign over another $24 billion to Z- Zelensky because that's what he's asking Why don't for. Why just hand him the checkbook? <laughs> a blank check. Yeah. No, like for several, like hand him like 15 blank checks. That should cover you for the next year. Here is another senator from Kentucky who's actually not about putting everybody into debt. Here's Rand Paul. They've canceled the elections. What kind of democracy has no election? So next year, Zelensky said he's not going to have an election because it would be inconvenient during the war and would be expensive. Well, the thing is, if you don't have elections, why in the world would we be supporting a country that's not a democracy? They've banned the political parties. They've invaded churches. They've arrested priests. So, no, it isn't a democracy. It's a corrupt regime. And are the Russians any better? No, the Russians are worse. But at the same time, we don't always have to pick some side to be on. But the ultimate reason I'm against this is we don't have the money. And when we borrow more money, it leads to more inflation, leads to more likelihood of recession in our country. And so we just can't keep doing it. And another point that Rand Paul has made in the past is no oversight of where this money is going. No accountability whatsoever. Blank checks, here you go, do whatever you want with it. There's going to be a lot of rich people uh, in Ukraine in the next five years. I the believe. same after, people after that made the is, Bidens rich, probably. After all is said and done, there are going to be a lot of rich, corrupt people in that country if there aren't already. This story about Dave Portnoy... I love it. I'm here for it. So Dave Portnoy is the founder of Barstool. Some people like him. Some people don't. He's a controversial dude. What is Barstool? Barstool is a blog site. Uh, It's dude humor. It's mainly about sports and gambling. Podcasts. Right. It's unfiltered, man. It's not PC. So you sold it for hundreds of millions of dollars and then recently bought it back for like $1. Right. So it's in his sole possession again. Now, if you remember Portnoy, he's the pizza testing guy. That's kind of like his bit, right? He goes into these various pizza places across America, takes a sample and talks about what he had. During the pandemic, he raised like $50 million for small businesses to stay afloat. The Barstool audience kind of chipped in and helped him out here. So he's having this festival, like Pizza Gate or something like that, a big pizza festival. The Washington Post had a reporter sending the sponsors of this pizza festival like a really shady email saying, I can't believe you're going to be sponsoring this event with this misogynist, horrible person, Dave Portnoy. Portnoy found out about it and called the Washington Post reporter and recorded it. Hey, Emily, this is Dave Portnoy calling. Uh, I'm recording you right now, but I've noticed a bunch of people. It seems like you're sending. We have this pizza fest happening on Saturday and you're reaching out to our advertisers and you're basically sending an email that says, Dave's a misogenic racist. Do you want to defend yourselves advertising at this event? Right. I'm sorry. What's your name, Dave? I'm sorry. Who are you? I'm the guy you're writing the article about, Dave Portnoy. No, I'm not. I'm not. 
I haven't said anything like that. I'm well, I, I can I can read if you want. If you want, I can read what you actually sent. I have it. Yeah, yeah, read because I, I sent a bunch of notes, so I want to make sure I know which one. Okay, uh, we are planning to write about the festival and how and how some of the sponsors and participants have drawn criticism by seemingly to associate themselves with Dave Portnoy, who has a history of misogynic comments and other problematic behavior. I want to make sure that Blank had a chance to respond to this, since the company is the most prominent and their partners of his festival. Oh, I love it. I love this gotcha kind of thing. And she's obviously, this reporter, obviously it's her intention to smear Dave Portnoy. Is he saying misogynic? <laughs> that, he means misogynistic, right? Right. <laughs> right, that's what he's saying. But either way, the point still stands that this reporter is sending out uh, negative emails to all his sponsors saying, look, look at, look at who you're doing business with. You care to comment on that? And this is the Washington Post. This isn't like some blog site. It's the Washington Post. So there's an indefinite narrative that this reporter already has in her mind. Right. And it's, it's, there's certainly an element of, of you know sponsors trying to get sponsors to pull out. Sponsor shaming, which yes. is ridiculous that one of the biggest papers in the country, if not the biggest, is doing this. Here's a little more. Oh, that's the one I said to which was definitely the most pointed of them because... I really did want them to respond, and I was hoping to get something from them. Do you think that's fair? Like, I, I totally disagree with the assertions of what you said, that misogenic and all that stuff. So, like, it kind of backs people into a corner. So, I'm happy to go over anything. I mean, you have... That is pretty pointed. You said you didn't do it. Then I have the exact evidence of you doing it. So I didn't say I didn't do that. I said I did. That was the one that was the most. Pointed. Well, no, you, you, that went before I before I provided proof, you said you didn't really remember doing that. And then I read it to you and you're like, oh, yeah, I did it that one time. So you did do it. She's a liar. Um, I'm happy to talk about the comments because to me, it's kind of like torturous interference. Like we're doing an event. Everyone's happy about the event. Uh, you know, I've raised 50 million for small business. I've helped pizza. None of that. It's. Dave's misogenic and problematic, and I'm happy to talk about it because to me, nobody would like if someone's going around sending that email to their sponsors. And again, you're not like questioning. You're, you're, it's almost like a statement of fact. This is what I am. Now, this last soundbite I'm going to play for you here. This is everything you need to know about how big liberal media works. Take a listen. Have you made your mind up about me? If you can't answer that, I no. Can say, I can say I have not made my mind up about you. Then why would you include that in the in the email to sponsors? Because I was hoping for a dialogue with them. You know, sometimes you have to say something like, this is like, you know, it's sort of a reporting tactic when you want someone to respond. <laughs> you kind of have to indicate that there might be something negative, and then you get them to engage. That's all I was trying to do. I really wanted them to engage with me. That is a sad state of journalism if that's a tactic that you have to, what I would say is make up something about somebody. Sad. I mean, he's exactly right. That's the tactic people use. You have to the media, the journalists use. Make something up or rip somebody just to get them to talk to you. I mean, at the same time, why, don't, why not mention, uh, hey, he's accused of this, but he's also uh, raised $50 million for small businesses. Nothing about him, his charitable work in those emails to sponsors. Right. Not at all. He kept a lot of these places Boy. open during the pandemic. I mean, the, the, it's obvious he has a narrative, and it's it gotten called out, and it's awesome. Ever and Nigel presents... Is... It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. 
Is this anything? All right, let's rock and roll. Yeah, Hammer, how do we play? Is this anything? I will run some stories by you. You simply tell us if they're anything or not. Is this anything? By now, I think everybody's heard about the F-35 stealth fighter that the Marines just lost, went missing, and then they found it in South Carolina. Right. Now, it's time to hear from an eyewitness named Randolph White, who was interviewed for a, by a TV station near Myrtle Beach. He was an eyewitness, and he describes the sound of the plane. I was in the, uh, in the bathroom taking a shave, and I heard a, a screeching, between a screech and a whistle. <laughs> I said, what in the world is this? And I heard a boom. Then my whole house shook. Did a meteorite come out of space or something? And I said, well, if the airplane, it needed to be reported. Look, the thing was flying just too low. Choppers keep flying around. I think somebody <laughs> must have robbed the bank or whatever. Shot through the grace of God, nobody didn't get hurt. Anything man-made can malfunction. But it needs to be investigated, and the public needs to know what really happened. It could have been a major disaster. I, Randolph White needs his own daily radio show. Yes. I would listen to Randolph White on daily. And I thought he was going to say, I was in the bathroom taking a sh. <laughs> I heard the SH. I go, whoa. Oh, and he goes, shave. Right. We should have just bleeped it unnecessarily to begin with, <laughs> just for the <laughs> hell of it. And that scream. How about that scream of the jet? He needs to do that at the top of every hour on his radio show. <laughs> Hilarious. Good morning, oh, Indianapolis. Oh, wow. So we, we heard from Randolph. Here are a couple of remixes of Randolph's very descriptive scream for you. Taylor Swift doesn't sound any different than the goat. Right. I couldn't tell Randolph apart from the, from the screaming goat. I love Randolph. He's the best. Is this anything? Four Georgia police officers and bystanders are being called heroes after rescuing a 19-year-old pinned underneath a car after an accident. Here they are wow. working together to lift right. the vehicle off of him and pull the 19-year-old out of the wreckage. Please help us out. Please help us yep. out. Yeah, you're on out. You're on out. Go sit over there by the curb. Who's still in there? He's in the passenger Go sit. Go sit. Hey, man, stop moving. Stop moving. We're trying to get on there. Can you breathe? You can't breathe. You mean he can't breathe? You mean you lift this car up right now? Yes. Someone get in there and pull him out. When he, when he lift it up. One, two, three, push. Come on, man. Come on, lift up. Come on, push. He's out. Good job, y'all. Incredible. I posted the footage of this at Hammer Nigel on Twitter. Just got to scroll down a few posts. It is uh, humanity at its finest because it's police officers running towards trouble. It's innocent, regular Joe Schmo off the street bystanders running towards trouble and everybody coming together for the common good here and actually lifting a car up. You heard the guy was trapped underneath this car, this 19-year-old. He couldn't breathe. I got choked up watching it because that's, that's humanity at its best right there. 
doesn't matter your political background, doesn't matter what you look like, where you're from, everybody working together to save this dude's life who was pinned under a car. Again, human beings got enough adrenaline and enough strength in their system to lift a car that was upside down, that had flipped up on its top upside down and lifted off this kid. Amazing. Yes, that is something. That is everything. Is this anything? If anybody had a Cabbage Patch Kid doll as a kid, pay close attention here. Maybe you don't know about the craze that preceded Black Friday Madness. There's a new documentary coming to theaters that uncovers the dark side of the beloved children's toy, Cabbage Patch Kids. Yep. Here's a part of the trailer. Something happened in 1983. I got my doll! I got my doll! And we were never going back. The intensity of this search for these dolls. A full-grown woman taking a doll out of a child's hand? They trampled everybody. What do we tell our little girl Christmas morning? You've been good, but Santa ran short. This is a story about the worst parts of capitalism. This nice lady created these dolls. And then this guy comes along and he steals the idea. I don't think there were any winners. The winner was money. Yeah, that's. I can't wait to watch that documentary. I love the music that they were using in that documentary. By the way, but everybody remembers. I think my sister had a Cabbage Patch doll. I didn't want, you know, I was a kid. I was a boy. I didn't. I didn't really collect anything like that. But um, people just. I don't know how demand is created like that. I don't know what goes on. I'm interested to see that documentary and how that works exactly. Just is it just a, a simply not making it available? Like creating demand by not, you know, like the Popeye's chicken sandwich. You could you could say people went nuts for the Popeye's uh, spicy chicken sandwich a few years ago, right? People, people were getting, getting shot over them. Yeah, right. What are some other? I'm trying to think of some other. Um, Tickle to- me Elmo when that first came some out. Other toys similar with a similar reaction like this. So tickle, what about Beanie Babies? Beanie that's, Babies, that's Xbox One. Um, oh, still to this day, even the new PlayStations have come out. Right, right. Right. Listen, we could talk about toys, but could could I hear from Randolph one more time sure. before we go into break? Can I just hear from Randolph <laughs> one more time? I was in the uh, in the bathroom taking a shave, and I heard a, a screeching between a screech and a whistle. <laughs> Good morning, Indianapolis. <laughs> it's the Hammer and Nigel show. The mayor of Eagle Pass, Texas, Hammer, declaring a state of emergency, pleading for help. Record numbers of illegal immigrants pouring across the southern border in that town. I've got an idea, Nige. Mm. The mayor of Eagle Pass should change his name to Zelensky. Because that way, <laughs> Mayor Zelensky of Eagle Pass. Next thing you know, he's got twenty-five billion dollars sitting in his bank account. <laughs> this is I, I, like I've got two questions. Like, why? Where's Governor Abbott in Texas? Why is it he's shutting that border down? I, he's is he doing all he can? What else can well, be he's done? Being right sued here? by his own I mean, country. I, kn- I, mean, I know he's busing migrants to other parts of the United States, including New York City. Um, but I just, this thing in Eagle Pass, and we're going to talk to a Breitbart reporter tomorrow at about 5.30 who was on the ground in Eagle Pass who broke this story. Tens of thousands of people 
poor, well, maybe not tens, but, you know, over, what was it, like in the past 24 hours alone? No, over you 10 could say grand? tens, yeah. In the last 24 hours, according to CBP sources, over 10,000 migrants were encountered at the border, bringing an all time record level back. Remember, we saw the record level back in May sure. before the end of Title 42. And now we're at those levels again. 8,500 plus were Border Patrol apprehensions, 1,600 plus at CBP God. ports of entry. Shut it down, man. Biden did everything he could. Remain in Mexico, gone. Title 42, gone. Come on over. We'll give you an app. Just say you're claiming asylum. That's all you got to do. And then maybe five or six years later, somebody will hear your complaint or your claim of asylum. Dude, these people, there's no way any of these people are going back. No. And it's a full on invasion. This is a crisis. And yet nobody outside of a few media outlets really wants to focus on this. Like if I were the Republican Party, if I were Ronna McDaniel, I would cancel that debate at the Reagan Library and I would move it to Eagles Pass because then the national media would have to actually cover what's happening yeah. down there. 10,000 illegal border crossers yesterday, according to Bill Malugin of Fox News, who was at the border. Now, New York City is a sanctuary city. At one time, they would have called you some sort of ist if you said, you need to go somewhere else. That being said... An ist or a phobe. Right. Either way. That being yeah. said, here's their governor, Kathy Hochul. We have to let the word out that when you come to New York, we're not going to have more hotel rooms. We don't have capacity. So we have to also message properly that we're at our limit. If you're going to leave your country, go somewhere else. There it goes. If you're going to leave your country, go somewhere else. I, I, that's not the right message, though. Don't leave your country. Right. You won't make it. The thing is with these Democrats, she doesn't mind that migrants are in her state. They just are all coming to Manhattan, New York City. So that's the problem. But they, they declared themselves a sanctuary city. Exactly. Though. Don't declare but, yourself a sanctuary city if you're not ready for people to do it. But but they're calling for all these people to get work permits. That's what they want. They don't care that they're in the country illegally. They don't care that they're, quote unquote, seeking asylum for reasons that don't count as seeking asylum. There's like five different reasons seeking asylum. And, and most of these people, that's not it. It doesn't qualify. They want these people in here. They just want to make it easier for them to work, which will drive down wages, drive down prices, take jobs away from Americans. I don't know what it means to be an American anymore, Hammer. I really don't. What does it mean to be an American citizen if these if these guys could just stroll in by the tens of thousands in 24 hours? Again, the I, money I, we're sending to Zelensky oh, is so he can protect his border against Russia. Look what's happening at our own border and these people are getting very little, if any, help from their own government. Joe Biden is not helping anybody at Eagles Pass. Joe Biden is suing Governor Abbott of Texas because he's trying to yeah. defend his own border. And again, Democrats like Kathy Hochul, Mayor Eric Adams aren't calling for Joe Biden to... They're, they're not telling 
um, voters to vote for somebody else. They're not doing that in Chicago. Um, they're not doing that in New York. In Houston, there's a giant migrant colony that, that, that's been created. But none of these people, none of these Democrats that are complaining about the illegals are actually telling their constituents, time to vote for somebody else. Or, or this is Joe Biden's problem. The reason they're just saying, well, they need to go somewhere else. These same people complaining in New York and Martha's Vineyard and Chicago and Los Angeles are going to vote for the exact yeah. same policies. They're blaming, they're blaming Abbott, the governor of Texas. They're not blaming Joe Biden. Meanwhile, you look at the amount of Venezuelans that are about to have legal status in the United States. We're talking 472,000 people are going to be eligible for TPS, temporary protected status, for a period of 18 months. Half a million, basically, folks that have migrated from Venezuela are going to have legal status for at least 18 months. But you know as well as I do, once those 18 months is up, the Biden administration, they're not keeping track of all these people. And whoever takes over after Joe Biden, if it's somebody different, there's not going to be a paper trail. They're not going to have any idea where these people are at. And by the way, all those things you said are right, but uh, the the... The icing on the cake is that it does not discourage people from from entering this country illegally. It does nothing to disincentivize people. Oh, wait, 500,000 people just got work permits so they could, uh, I'm on my way. Where do I sign up? Where? How much money do I have to give this uh, human trafficker to get me over there? Now, one of the downsides of what's happening at the border is happening with some businesses in our country. Josh Hawley has sent a letter to Tyson Foods CEO Donnie King about some of their child labor practices, because some of the reports that we're getting now are these children that come across the border, some of them unaccompanied by an adult, are working at a very young age, long hours, getting paid dirt money, sweatshop type situations in some pretty violent places, like a meat processing plant is not somewhere a young child needs to be working. And there's allegations that's taking place at places like Tyson Foods. Really? This was a story in the New York Times. They detailed several allegations about migrant children, many of whom arrived at the southern border without an accompanied uh, adult, suffering severe injuries or even dying while working illegally in chicken processing plants. This was a story from the New York Times. Now, if you remember, I think this was last week, there was a hearing in Washington with the Senate, and Alejandro Mayorkas, he's the guy in charge, allegedly, of running the border, DHS. And Senator Josh Hawley grilled him about this. Working overnight in slaughterhouses. Replacing roofs, operating machinery in factories. Senator, the horrific exploitation of children is something that we do not condone. You are um, incorrectly attributing it uh, to our policies. I, for one, am sick and tired of it. And thousands of children are in physical danger. Danger because of what you are doing. You should have resigned long ago. And that's disgusting on American companies that are doing that. If this report from the New York Times is true, 
and places like Tyson and all these other places are using migrant children, paying them dirt wages. Yeah. People need to go to jail. Yeah. 100%. And they and by the way, Mayorkas is wrong. They, Holly is attributing those practices to the Biden administration because they are complicit in letting people through mass uh, in mass at the border. You set them up and I'll knock them back, Lloyd. One by one. We are going to read booze news because it's really fun. What's it is, your lips? It's so good. To present. Booze news, booze news. Time for booze news. This new study out that shows the part of the beer that you probably hate the most, the head, all the foam is actually what makes it so delicious. So the researchers are saying that the bubbles and the foam in the beer hold the flavor compounds, and when those bubbles burst, that flavor is released into the air and into your nose, and that's why we love it so much. Here, Here's an expert. This, is, this guy's name is Joe Shipley from, I don't know, some beer distributor. He's explaining the concept. When we pour our beer, we want to make sure we're creating a nice layer of foam, one inch preferably. What the inch of foam will do and the carbonation will do will be release gas from the liquid, will release aromatics from the beer, and will release flavor compounds in the beer. So, no gas is being consumed and a more pleasurable drinking experience for the consumer. Yeah, there's nothing worse than a horrible pour of a beer. Right. That's interesting that the, the, the head and the foam or the bubbles or whatever you want to call it makes it, that's that's the best part about it. But but he said an inch, though. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, if like you go you, to a kegger, like if you ever go oh, to somebody's God's party miserable. there's a kegger, and even if you're tilting the cup and doing everything You've right. you tilt the cup like, like I'm almost at a straight 90 degree angle. Right. Even if you do that, sometimes you get stuck with an awful lot of the uh, the head on the beer. And I had my, we were having some neighbors over a couple of, like in the summer, and uh, like a 12, 13 year old daughter, Abigail, and she was watching me take a beer out of the fridge and I, I didn't even notice she was watching me and I, she's, you know, I was holding the plastic, because I pour my beer in a cup. It wasn't out of a keg, it was just, I was taking a middle light, open it, I pour it in a red solo cup and I was tilting it like I was. And she's like, Mr. Nigel, why do you tilt the cup like that? <laughs> well, Abigail, here's the, and I started going to this whole explanation of how the head and the foam and it cuts down and I realized I was explaining this to a 12 year old little girl and I was like, oh my God, maybe I should rethink everything about my life. Yeah. <laughs> it just becomes habit. It does. It does. But when you're explaining it to it to a preteen, it's even worse. I had to explain I, 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 it to just... my mom once. <laughs> oh, really? Came home from Ball State that first semester break. I'm in the kitchen pouring milk in the cup and I've got it sideways. Why do you have the cup like that? Milk, you just... <laughs> Oh, I forgot it wasn't a beer. Cuts the head off, Mom. <laughs> Mind your business. That's real funny. Is uh, This is more booze news here okay. for you. Okay. People are slamming <laughs> the people running this 600-year-old church in England for installing two beer taps inside of the church. This is an old 600-year church, 600 years old, and they put two beer taps inside. Here's Reverend Nick explaining why the beer taps were installed. So we've had this bar constructed um, partly for coffee on a Sunday, um, but also so that when we run events, um, uh, St. Ives Brewery have kindly come in and installed these um, beer pumps for us, and we can serve um, drinks as well to people that come in um, for concerts and um, uh, choirs and various other events that we run. 
So wait, that was the reverend? They're they're putting, they still hold services in this church? Yes. Is that what I'm to understand? Yes. So it's not like a St. Joseph's Brewery downtown, which was, which you know, that's been around since uh, 2015, but it's the the old church. Right. That's, they don't have services there. This is a church. Fully functioning. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. I can understand why there are certain parts of the congregation that may not approve but if you want I mean, religion like, to grow baby you gotta <laughs> go with the it's times some weird it's, it's it's to me like the difference between catholics and christians it's, they, i feel like they basically both believe the same thing the catholics are all in on the fish fries and bingo nights and beer nights and october fests and if you're a christian well, i grew up in a christian household where you're told you never drink beer ever right you don't even touch it or it's going to ruin your life which brings us to great moments in religion history. Oh, wow. Okay. This was the pastor of a Missouri church who was upset that the folks in the congregation weren't giving him enough gifts for Christmas. <laughs> See, that's how I know you're still poor, broke, busted, and disgusted because of how you've been honoring me. I'm not worth your McDonald's money. Come on. Come on. I'm not worth your Red Lobster money. <laughs> I ain't worth your St. John Nick. Y'all can't afford it no how. I ain't worth y'all Louis Vuitton. Come on. I ain't worth your Prada. Come on. Oh, this is awful. I'm not worth your Gucci. You can buy a Movado watch in Sam's. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. And y'all know I asked for one last year. Here it is the whole way in August. I still ain't got it. Y'all ain't saying nothing. Let me kick down the door and talk to my cheap sons and daughters. Jeez. I don't want to hear no more excuses about what y'all can't afford. You can't afford it because you don't see the value here. Y'all hear from y'all pastor and father, I'm over y'all. I'm over your cheap expressions. I don't believe that's how Pastor Micah Beckwith does business. (laughs) I believe it's a substantially different approach. You're not going to hear Pastor Mark of uh, College Park begging for uh, uh, his his congregation to give him a new Armani suit for Christmas. Uh, Nigel, am I not worth your McDonald's money? (laughs) It's the Hammer and Nigel show. Hammer and Nigel. Do you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock! So, uh, the auto union said more workers are going to start a strike at noon tomorrow. More striking going on in the United Auto Workers Union. Uh, Noon Eastern, I believe, Hammer, tomorrow. Unless there's some serious progress towards a new contract, uh, they're kind of doing it in levels. Or they're uh, staggering, you know, who's going on strike, what plants are going on strike, and when. And unfortunately, that's going to result in layoffs, which you heard at the top of the hour, are happening here in Indy. So General Motors says that it has basically a plant in Kansas that they're ready to go. They're ready to strike. Um, And unfortunately, the layoffs will be getting soon. Stellantis, the maker of Chrysler, Jeep, and Dodge vehicles, said it's laying off 68 workers in Ohio and another 300 layoffs in Kokomo in Indiana could soon happen. Now, the mayor of Kokomo, Tyler Moore, he jumped on Wish TV and spoke with Phil Sanchez. Actually, we're concerned. I mean, it uh, affects uh, the uh, handful of workers here uh, with uh, the UAW and the the plants, but uh, Kokomo is not, uh, I guess, a a stranger to uh, 
strikes and layoffs uh, has been in the past, and uh, and so we're encouraged that uh, those layoffs are labeled as temporary uh, as opposed to permanent, and so we're also confident that uh, as both sides continue to work together to a compromise on their contracts, that again, the, uh, the focus will be on temporary layoffs as opposed to uh, anything more. Also expecting layoffs in Toledo, uh, Perrysburg, Ohio. And this is not going to be good. This is going to get worse before it gets better. And these sides are so far apart. Now, listen, nobody wants to root for big business because everybody hates big, rich people, right? right? You know, the but, fat cat's getting fatter while the working man gets the stiff arm. Right. And that's I, normally the perception. Yes. But what the auto workers are asking for, the way it's being presented by their leadership, I don't think is winning the public over because you're wanting a 40 percent raise and a four day work week. Well, hell, raise your hand if you would like a 40 percent raise in a four day work week. I think anybody would sign up for that. Like, we're not mad that you're asking, but if you're expecting people to be sympathetic, man, I don't know. Isn't that like the negotiating tactic like the united auto workers ask for something outrageous the the heads of the big three automakers come back and say whoa 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 wait a minute isn't that the way this works generally i mean i do i do think on a certain level why i don't like to see the fat cats i mean it's just like the teachers unions and the administrations for teachers like the administrations getting a lot of money the administrators gets a lot of money but the teachers get the shaft right right this is sort of the same thing where you ask for a four-day work week and a 40 percent increase and so the big three should come back with something a little more reasonable but what's their version of reasonable? Right. What's their version of progress? What's their version of reasonable? And we've talked about the teachers union, UAW union uh, situation recently. It's bizarre to me because both unions, both led by super left-leaning people at the top of the food chain there, the auto workers look at the people right above them making money, and they're like, screw you, buddy. Pay us our money. The teachers union... They look up at Randy Weingarten and all of these admins in their school making six figures to do social media posts, and they're fine with it. It's the lawmaker's fault. It's bizarre to me how they both look at things so differently. Like, if I were the teachers, I would look at all the administrators in my school saying, what would you say you do here? Mm-hmm. Why are you worth six figures when we're the ones out here dealing with little rotten Johnny SOB trying to teach him calculus? That would be the approach I would have. But instead, it's the big, bad lawmakers who, at least in Indiana, give most of their budget to education. But it ends up in the pockets of the admins at the schools. I'm telling you, the the United Auto Workers need Hunt Stevenson as their spokesman. <laughs> he can get stuff done. Absolutely. Uh, press conference was earlier today. Marion County Sheriff's Office. They still have no idea where this guy is that they accidentally let out last week. The murderer that they accidentally let a- out. Accused murderer, yeah. And how do you survive if you're a guy like that? Like, where again? This guy isn't Richard Kimball. He doesn't. He's doesn't. He's not a doctor. He doesn't have. I, I wouldn't expect. Besides violence and besides force, how does he? How is he able to survive on the land like this? 
Well, hang out in Indianapolis because we don't arrest bad guys in this city. And if we do, Ryan Mears is like, what are you doing in here? Get right back out on the streets. Here, take this ankle monitor so we know exactly where you're at when you commit your next crime. Who did they? But they've arrested somebody, right? Well, his love interest, his acquaintance, whatever her role is, she was taken into custody yesterday. Basically, the authorities are saying she was harboring and helping this guy. But now the U.S. Marshal's office is offering a $10,000 reward for anybody that knows the whereabouts of where this lunatic is. And it's just so embarrassing. It's got national attention now. Uh, NBC News, Fox News, they've all had a story about how incompetent things are here. Can I just read a tweet from uh, Nancy? And she spells her name N-A-N-S-I. Please. So, a guy calls a woman to pick him up from jail. He walks out of the jail and gets in the car. Unless she is not cooperating with the investigation, what was she charged with? I mean, he walked out of jail. It's not like she went in guns blazing and broke him out. Okay, so she holds no culpability whatsoever. And it sounds like the authorities are saying she was totally helping him. Yes. Like, once the authorities realized, oh, crap, we made a mistake. Yeah, I know. Because, yeah. again, this didn't happen this week. It happened last week. But Carrie Forstall and the Good Time Party Boys over there said, ah, it's just the public. They don't need to know that a man wanted for murder and multiple other warrants is out on the streets. Well, they had an excuse, right? Clerical error. Just well, the, like it was a staffing issue when the deputy was killed. The, the, exactly. But th- their excuse was uh, for not telling the public that we were trying to we didn't want the we didn't want the perpetrator to know that we knew that he was. Well, they had a plan. Yeah. Well, their plan right. clearly is nothing because now the feds have came in and said, all right, ten thousand dollar reward. If anybody can help us rearrest this guy that we had in custody already, re being the key word. You know, this show backs the blue and we uh, we obviously um, have always supported law enforcement, but boy, man, you—I uh, could tell you as a Marion County resident—have the the animus you have towards the uh, Mr. Forrestal is. Well, I mean, look I, at I the common just, denominator here: yeah. Democrat leadership soft on crime. And if anybody wants to argue that with me, I'm right here every day from three to seven. Look at the numbers. The facts don't lie. And when hell freezes over and we actually do get a bad guy off the streets, we re-release him. Doing my Rob Kendall impression here. (laughs) We re-release him back into the city. It's so ridiculous. It's so embarrassing. Birds of a feather. Hawkset, Mears, and Forrestal. And... If anybody at the IMPD or the sheriff's office or any place like that donated to these losers, you should be absolutely ashamed of yourselves. Are you really okay? Are you okay? Everything's going to be okay. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm pretty f***ing far from okay. Are you okay with this? On the Hammer and Nigel. Okay! Good boy. Lab-grown, 3D-printed salmon goes on supermarket shelves for the first time this week, Hammer. Are you okay with lab-grown, 3D-printed salmon? Yes or no? 
So this is going to sound like a spoiled American answer here. I'm not okay with it for me, but if some of these countries who don't have food need a way to get some resources here, why not this? Why can't we mass produce lab-grown 3D-printed salmon or lab-grown 3D-printed spam or whatever the case may be and send it to you know these starving kids in Africa or these places over in India that don't have anything. Like Instead of sending them all of the t-shirts of teams that didn't win the Super Bowl, why don't we send them this instead? I feel point. like they would enjoy yeah. this. Well, I, I just think that... Um as long as you're not forcing it on us, as long as you're not saying, uh, well, because we got to save the salmon, you're now going to. <laughs> I don't know if there's a big push to quote save the salmon, uh, but as long as it's not forcing it on us, yeah, why not? I like imitation crab meat. Really? Yeah. I mean, I can't get the real stuff. I like. I've always eaten that imitation crab meat for like a snack. You know who like I that. think would be on board with lab-grown 3D printed salmon? The bear lobby, like bear <laughs> lobbyists. You know those bears you see up in Alaska yeah. grabbing the salmon from the river as they go Swimming the opposite upstream, way. Yeah. yeah, I think the bears would enjoy this. Like, I don't know if they would know the difference or not. Are you a fish guy? Are you a seafood guy? I'm very picky when it comes to my seafood. Like that big fish sandwich from uh, Jay's that we get sometimes. That is the best. I like the lobster mac you and cheese. Lobster roll is what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, and I love course. shrimp. I love all types of oh, shrimp. Oh, yeah. I'm straight sure. Bubba Gump, man. I like fried shrimp, grilled shrimp, shrimp cocktail. <laughs> I can go down a rabbit hole with some shrimp. <laughs> you're, you're his buddy. Yeah, you're right. You're Bubba. Um, <laughs> Cindy Crawford, supermodel. Feature, um, Cindy Crawford. Always been a big fan of Cindy's. Featured in the new Apple limited series called The Supermodels. Uh, apparently, Cindy now thinks Oprah was out of line when she was asked to stand up and show off her body to the audience back during, I think it was his Oprah's first season. Listen to this. When, when Cindy was like 20 years old. Did she always have this body? This is unbelievable. Stand up just a moment, because no one saw you come in standing up. Now, this is what I call a body. <laughs> Very good, very good. But I'm not, not, I don't weigh 100 pounds. I'll tell that lady on the phone that I do not weigh 100 pounds. You're what, are you about 5'9", 5'10"? 5'9", and I tried to stay around 120. Okay. So. I'm happy for you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I guess this, this documentary on Apple, Cindy Crawford's on there. Here she is talking about being treated like uh, how she was on that Oprah show back in the late 80s. Well, Cindy was much more uh, psychologically. She was uh, not sure she really wanted to model. I was like the of mental stability. Or a child, like, be seen and not heard. When you look at it through today's eyes, when Oprah's like, stand up and show me your body. Like, show us why you're worthy of being here. In the moment, I didn't recognize it. Only when I looked back at it and I was like, oh my gosh, that was so not okay, really. Especially from Oprah. So, Cindy Crawford now thinking Oprah was out of line. Are you okay with this? You know what I'm not okay with? The fact that Cindy Crawford has put me in the position to defend Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> That's what I'm not okay with, because I hope Oprah does not apologize. Uh, yeah. Oprah did nothing wrong. You're on one of the biggest shows in America, 
Because you're an attractive model. Yeah, you're a supermodel. All right, stand up and show us that bod, honey. Right. And she goes, like, I had to prove my worthiness of being there. Well, that's why you were there. Right. That's 100% why you were there. What did you want Oprah to do, Cindy? Did you want to go up on Oprah's show and have a talk about a workable peace process? process for the Middle East? Is that what you wanted to talk about, Cindy? Do you want to talk about ways that America can end famine? Is that what you want to do, Cindy? Shut up. Sit down. It's one thing if you wanted to say, well, something happened backstage, something really scandalous. I don't want to talk about it. That's a story. Going on Oprah because you're a supermodel and Oprah making you do supermodel things, sit down, shut up. And also, there's an element there of, of the fact that Oprah's a fellow female. I mean, it would have been one thing if Phil Donahue would have done it, and maybe that would have come off a little creepy. <laughs> right. right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yo, spin around. Cindy. That, oh, that yeah. That would be different. That, it's a little different, but it's Oprah. Okay, a viral hack on TikTok. Ugh, just hear me rolling my eyes already. This hack claims that putting a clove of garlic in your toilet at night will leave your bathroom smelling better. Uh, do you believe this? Are you okay with this? <laughs> I'm okay with this and challenge accepted. Right. So here's what's going to happen. This Friday, when it's my free day, I'm going to grab a Crave case of White Castles. Oh, may even put some hot sauce on them. I don't know. Mm. And I'm going to drink some warm beer and we're going to put a clove of garlic <laughs> in that toilet. And we're going to see how effective that clove of garlic can be against all the toxins I'm about to bring to the table. Poor coupon lady. Here, why? <laughs> Is she going to be the test subject on this? Because... Honey, can you still smell the garlic? Why are you dry heaving? Oh, no. Your poor, poor coupon lady. Like, What are the best remedies to keep the toilet smelling clean after? I, I still say it, it doesn't get any better than a you know light a match. If you, if you if you had an episode in the bathroom and you and you blew that thing up like like if somebody walked in there and said boy you need to go see a doctor to get rid of the smell, just light a match. So we've got one of those Clorox tablets that goes in like the top part of oh, yeah. the can. Yeah, yeah. And when you flush it, it cleans the toilet. But we've also got some air spray in yeah. there, like just in case I go on a, a Toby Keith, John Madden style, <laughs> you know, bender in that joint. And all those sprays almost make it worse sometimes, though. My wife keeps the thing of this little white bottle. Have you ever heard of? Poopery. Yes. Yes, I have. I believe, I'm using it correctly, I believe you spray it in the toilet before you go number two. There's and essential to... oils that do the same okay. thing. You put I'm some of the crazy. essential oils in there, and then you, you know, bombs over Baghdad <laughs> and flush the toilet. It's supposed to make it not as toxic. Uh, I've got time for one more. Spoiler, right it doesn't work. <laughs> okay, thank you. Product, product review. Uh, NASA predicts a large asteroid impact that could be in the Earth's future. Are you okay with NASA and this prediction? Thanks, Biden. Now we're all going to die. <laughs> Biden's fault. <laughs> According to uh, NASA scientists, this asteroid has a chance to pass through what they call the gravity keyhole. Oh, whatever. Uh, which is something I think Matt Baer experimented with before. <laughs> um, the gravity keyhole could allow this thing to come through, and then it would be on a collision course with Earth, and it would hit in the year 2182. So the way I see it, it's not my problem. You know, I'll tell the kids, the grandkids, the grandkids, 
kids, kids. Hey, be on the lookout for an asteroid that could cause damage as big as the state of Texas Man, if it makes contact. huge. But what we need to do right now is cryogenically freeze Bruce Willis and Billy Bob Thornton and Ben Affleck <laughs> in case we need the Armageddon method for 2182. To get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. And now, Hammer and Nigel go off the rails with Rob Kendall on 93 WIBC. What's going on? My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. Rob Kendall from the Kendall and Casey Show here to go off the rails. Rob, how are you? I'm great. Thanks, as always, to our segment sponsor, Garage Doors of Indianapolis. Indianapolis is starting to get some negative national attention regarding this guy out of Minnesota that was incarcerated here that just was, due to a clerical error, was able to walk out. He's accused of murder. Was that, It's starting to get national attention. Yeah, well, I mean, you let one alleged murder or just walk right out the door and then everybody's up your backside. I mean, come on. Don't we have, are we a forgiving? This, was, this place sucks, I was just man. telling Amber yesterday, it's not like in Pennsylvania where the guy crab walked up <laughs> the, the, the wall and broke through razor blades of wire and fences. This guy, because of a clerical error, was allowed to just walk out the sheriff's office. No, he, he was he was, the, Joliet, the he was Joliet Jake Blues and the Blues Brothers. Yeah. They probably told him one hat black, one white watch and then as they open the doors they play she caught the katie <laughs> now joking aside this is a problem with the marion county sheriff's department specifically at the leadership and rob you and i talked about this earlier today so one month ago you had a deputy get murdered because the sheriff's department leadership said one person it's okay for a violent murderer to transport him back and forth through a medical examination. One person. Well, that deputy was ultimately murdered, and Sheriff Kerry Forrestal blames it on staffing. What more can you do? Staffing. Not even barely a month later, Rob. Here we are. They let a murderer go in the streets. And if that wasn't bad enough, the cherry on top of the Sunday was they waited a week to tell anybody about it. Yeah, and that is where you look at just the utter incompetence of the Triangle of Terror. There was a famous wrestling of faction in the early 90s. It was Sergeant Slaughter, General Adnan, and Colonel Mustafa <laughs> during the Gulf War, and they were called the Triangle of Terror. And the modern Triangle of Terror Error is Forrestal, Hogshead, and Mears. And you look at these three people and you say, my goodness, it's a wonder we even have a city at all left. And we've been talking about this throughout the show. National attention, NBC News, Fox News, basically calling the leadership at the Marion County Sheriff's Office Incompetent. I mean, when you share that type of story, you know what the reaction's going to be, right? Yeah, but what's the punishment? Nothing ever happens to these people. They keep getting reelected. They keep moving forward. And part of it is, you look at how inept the Marion County GOP is. I mean, look no further than the guy at the top of the ticket in Shreve. And they don't feel any pressure or any need to be any better because they're not going to lose. They're not going to lose. There's, there's just the, when when they don't when politicians don't fear the people. This is how they behave. Who's and, not going to lose? 
The Democrats. Okay, I thought you meant the Indiana GOP. No, I'm saying like, yeah, the, the, they've been doing nothing but losing. Well, that's my point. The Republicans are putting absolutely no pressure on the Democrats. Jefferson Shreve had a chance to be an awesome candidate who could have lifted a whole bunch of people and cleaned up this mess. Instead, he chose to fight with people about abortion and go after law-abiding gun owners. And people are looking for a reason to vote against Joe Hawkset. Not just hardcore Republicans. Keep in mind, the Democrats tried multiple primary candidates against a sitting mayor. That's very rare. They're desperate to vote this clown out. And Jefferson Shreve comes in and says, well, if you think this guy's a clown, let me get out of the small car myself. (laughs) Did you... Did you see the? I, I'll post this question to you, uh, Rob. Did you see the uh, uh, the Sharif attack ad against Hogsett? Finally, questioning where he was on the nights of the riots. Is it? Is it? I mean, I liked the ad. Trust me, but is it too little, too late? Well, as Bruce Willis famously said to old Al in uh, in Die Hard, "Welcome to the party, pal." Yes, it's too late. I mean, the narrative is this guy is a squish and he's weak and he's already alienated people. I'll put it to you, Hammer. I put it to you, Greg. I put it, I'll put it to you, Hammer. You're the one of the guys he's lost. You live here in Marion County. You can or, or, or can choose to or not vote for the guy. Did one stupid little ad at the end of September win you back after he essentially said, you're the problem for legally owning a firearm. To quote Dr. Evil, no! <laughs> How about no? So if you're doing a March Madness style bracket here, yeah. all right, and you're looking for the number one seed of the biggest problem in Indianapolis, is it Joe Hawkset? Is it Ryan Mears? Or is it Kerry Forrestal? Because each can make a claim to be the number one seed. Hell, we talked earlier in the show, Ryan Mears was the man that let the woman out with a sweetheart deal that stabbed the baby. And did I mention she's been arrested nearly 20 times, Jeez. including stabbing? Yeah, but that had been like in 1943 going, who's the biggest problem here? Is it is it Japan? Is it Germany? Or is it Italy? They're all problems. They're all, the, it's out of the, the head of the same monster. And it is a radical leftism, this woke Marxist communist BS, and they are more interested in placating to a bunch of lunatics than actually being competent and fixing the problem. And Nigel, one of these days, you know, we're going to have grandkids, and maybe they're doing like a study in the classroom about Indianapolis history, and they're going to come to us and go, Hey, Dad, I see that Joe Hogsett was named the mayor three straight times in Indianapolis. He must have been really good. And we're going to have to sit there and explain <laughs> no. to him, well, actually, little Billy, uh, the homicides were out of control. It was a record time for homicides. The homeless and drug problem was worse than it's ever been, and businesses were leaving the city in Dude, droves. I, it's so funny you mention that because my son watches this YouTube show called Darman, and I, I'm not getting it can't explain it to you what it's about. It's just a hugely popular show. But in between kind of the, you know, the ads that pop up on their, these YouTube channels is Hogset, pro Hogset ads. And he's like, Dad, like I, just, I had to explain to him the exact same thing you just said to him last night. Or you just said to me last night. Well, actually, no, there's a lot of crime in the city, and uh, he's not really doing anything to stop it, and, and he's not a very good candidate at all. 
He well, didn't understand well, what I'm talking about. He's at, 11 years old. Yeah, at least Hogshead is securing the 11-year-old vote. He's doing great with that. <laughs> <laughs> Rob Kendall joining us to go off the rails here on the Hammer and Nigel show. So <laughs> we've got a picture posted on our social media of Donald Trump campaigning in Iowa where he may or may not be signing this hot chick's can. Is that real? Do we know for a fact that's not yeah, artificial yeah, yeah. intelligence? No, that's real. That's real? Yeah. yeah. I it. saw that and I thought, oh, that's my wife. It's real and it's spectacular. I thought, saw that and I told my wife, I said, man, that artificial intelligence is getting really good. You're telling me that's real? No, he, he walked into this bar in Iowa and everybody just went ape. Uh. Everybody. I mean, he's a rock star. So it seems like, Rob, the president's going to be sitting out the next GOP debate, and he's going to be speaking to the auto workers in Michigan. Now, the UAW president, super left-leaning guy, he's got his panties in a wad about this, ripping Donald Trump. I think it's a brilliant political move. While everybody else is on stage at the Reagan Library doing the debate, he's going to be speaking in a swing state probably still blue, but a swing state to the auto workers about how I'm the deal maker. I can make things happen. Let's make a deal. The art of the deal. You don't agree with me. Well, I just think it's incredibly insulting to voters, but you know you know what I say, you get the government you deserve, and it appears with Trump, people just want to keep being insulted because he'll go on Meet the Press, big left show, and he'll answer their questions, but he will not stand on a stage at the Reagan Library, the most revered Republican president since Lincoln, and will not answer questions or be held accountable for his viewpoint. So, yeah, I mean, I guess if the only goal is, hey, politically, what's the best move for me? Sign me up for that, if that's your goal. But, man, I'll tell you what, I'm looking for somebody who is actually willing to tell me what the hell they're going to do to fix this country. So, so you guys really don't disagree. I mean, I mean, you're just disagreeing that he's going to speak to the auto workers and not the debate. Yeah, I mean, I think it's... Well, just- I think that's a great, great idea, though. I think it's brilliant from Trump. There's no win for doing these debates against people that if you add up all of their totals yeah. still might not beat you. Yeah. He can answer those questions, Rob, when he gets up there against Biden or Gavin or Michelle but or he, whoever the hell it is he, they're going to nominate. But, but the problem is he was a complete lunatic in, in those debates in 2020. He was a complete lunatic. He was so much better against Hillary Clinton in 2016 than he was against Biden in 2020. Why? Because he spent the previous six, nine months, whatever, going through those Republican primary debates. Trump is not a good debater. He is not poised. He is not calm. So why do you want him to do another one? It will make him better. He's not going to lose. I want him to be accountable. Why are you okay with him not answering questions? Because he's on a stage with a bunch of people that probably are going to be selling peanuts this time next year. (laughs) He's going to be on the stage with a dementia patient in in the fall of next year. But that's going to be on the ballot, though. Like, he is going to be the Republican nominee. Wait, wait, wait. You are okay as a taxpayer of this country having some guy take his middle finger, put it in your face, and go, I don't have to answer to you. To these other candidates, yes. But he's not it's not answering to them. It's answering to the American people. It's having somebody who will actually press you on, hey clown, why did you sign off on printing five trillion dollars? Why did you put Fauci in charge? Why did you promote mandatory mask mandates? Why did you promote shutdowns? And he, those questions will come when he's in the general debate. All that's gonna happen if you put him up there with these losers like Doug and everybody <laughs> else, they're gonna take every personal shot at him and it doesn't help him in the long game. But 
But is it about helping yourself or is it about being accountable to the people of the country? Clearly for Trump, it's about helping himself. I want to win the election in November of 2024. Yeah. There's, there, but there's nothing Trump has done over the past, what has it been, one, two, three, three years that shows you he is any better as a candidate than he was in 2020. I agree with that. I agree with so that. So how's he going to win? But it doesn't help when your quote-unquote allies are saying, oh, by the way, you smacked a porn star in the ass with a magazine cover you may have been a part of. Like, whatever gets Joe Biden and these lunatics screwing over this country out of office, if it's one or two political points that Donald Trump has to get in a swing state, I'm fine with so it, man. You, so you are okay with this guy just not being accountable to anyone and then walking up on that stage with Joe Biden, which you may or may not do then either, because I don't think Biden wants to what have a debate. What do we not know about <laughs> Donald Trump that you haven't been able to figure out by now, I Rob? have I have no idea, and he has never answered why he put Anthony Fauci in charge and praised Anthony Fauci. I have no idea why Donald Trump printed $5 trillion in 2020. I have no idea why Donald Trump was for mandatory masking or shutdowns. He's never answered that question. Okay, so these are the things that I would hope the moderator brings up when he's sitting there against Joe Biden or whoever the hell it is. We got two minutes left. Oh, great. Something (laughs) amazing happened recently. Uh Uh-oh. The Rob Kendall T-shirt. Oh, yes, that is amazing. Boy, I was uh, really anticipating what you were going to say there. Uh, Yes, at (laughs) store.hammerandnigel.com, you can now get either an I Love Rob Kendall T-shirt or an I Hate Rob Kendall T-shirt. And uh, they are, uh, look, I ordered several I Hate Rob Kendall T-shirts. I hope that's okay. (laughs) Because I just, I love the frowny red face. And they're in teacher red. Yes, absolutely, which was brilliant. A lot of people were like, you should have done them in purple. No, Einstein, we did them in red because of the red for Ed so that all the teachers next year at the State House can wear their I Hate Rob Kendall shirts as they're screaming about being underpaid or whatever the new cause du jour is. Do we know how many have sold yet? Tamer, do you have those stats yet or are they still coming in? Like, still coming still, in. Okay. No idea yet. I'll have right. to get with our web guy that runs the store. Okay. Uh, but I'm thinking you, I Hate Rob Kendall probably have sold more. Oh, absolutely. There's no one likes me. You, in a rare moment where you're not being a total troll, have decided to <laughs> donate your profits. Yes. This. All of my portion of the proceeds will go to profit. Project Rescue. Project Rescue is a phenomenal uh, organization that helps women that are entrapped in in human trafficking across the world. So if you buy an A Rob Kendall t-shirt, you not only get to tell everyone how much you hate me, but you're also helping a really good cause. And it could also be the I love Rob Kendall shirt, too. Yeah, it just seems more rewarding if people (laughs) buy the I hate Rob Kendall t-shirt because that's going to charity. Because we want kids to go to school wearing the I love Rob Kendall shirts. (laughs) My wife ordered seven I hate Rob Kendall. She's I need one for every day of the week. <laughs> What's coming up tomorrow? Uh, boy, it looks like the writer's strike might be coming in to an end, so I know there's about seven people in our audience who will care about that and get their television back, so we'll do a deep dive on that. Special thanks to uh, Garage Doors of Indianapolis. You guys are the best. He's off the rails. He's Rob Kendall. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show.